Welcome everybody, my name is Alexander Greb and you're listening to the SAP Experts Podcast Spin-Off. Spin-Off? What's that? Well, with this episode I want to introduce and add a new label and a little bit different piece and format to the SAP Experts Podcast, which will coexist with the future episodes of the classic format that you already and hopefully love by now. The reason? We at SAP have many different podcasts, which differ a lot in format, style, content and length. And many of them are purely internal podcasts, so they are not available for the public. But from time to time, those internal podcasts generate episodes where it would be a shame to keep them internal, because they would be certainly also interesting for public audiences. One of those internal podcasts that generate such episodes is The Cast by Mike Fessick. Mike is Global Director for Presale Solution at SAP and his supply chain solution hub consists of product and industry experts that develop cutting-edge solutions for any SAP customer that earns his or her money by actually producing or moving things. So with this I want to give Mike and his colleagues a platform to publish interesting content from their pool, while the expert podcasts episodes that you are used to will of course continue. To be released as usual. Since the cast consists of episodes which are a bit shorter in duration than what you are used for me, we pack two cast episodes back to back into this format, starting with Project Intelligence Network before Mike will talk about predicting asset health and avoiding failure. Stuff you don't want to miss. So I will hand the stage of this episode over to Mike Fessick and the cast here at the SAP Experts Podcast Spin-Off. Welcome to the cast. My guest today is Matthias Bonaire. He is an expert in the engineering, construction, and operation industry and has 24 years of professional experience that includes consulting, project management, sales support, and business development. He currently is the solution manager for the Project Intelligence Network, which we will be discussing momentarily. Welcome to the podcast, Matthias. Yeah, real pleasure, Mike. Uh, and uh, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to talk about this topic. Well, I've got a couple of questions. We're talking today about the Project Intelligence Network. And, you know, I've heard about it, but I don't know a lot about it. So I was wondering if you could explain a bit about the Project Intelligence Network and whether it's a cloud or on-premise or a combined solution? Yeah, sure, Mike. Uh, I mean, the, the SAP Project Intelligence Network is really a collaboration network for stakeholders that are involved in a construction project to share and exchange information during the design, plan, and build phase of an asset or a facility. It's a cloud-based solution that we have released in September last year. I mean, as you know, we, we're already offering different business networks like Ariba to share and process information during sourcing and procurement, or the Asset Intelligence Network during operation uh, of, for example, a building. And with the Project Intelligence Network, we're really trying to close that gap between, you know, 
niching the process when you as an order uh, as an owner are ordering a new asset or a building until it's getting handed over from you from the contractor that has built the building hence we are trying to manage the entire life cycle of an asset or a facility from the initial idea to operations all on SAP technology oh that sounds great um, but I know some of these projects can be really large and complex is there any limitation to how big these things can be well you know the size of or or the number of players uh in a in a particular project uh, don't really matter what matters is really whether there's an intention to share and collaborate during that project so we we don't have any limitations from a technology point of view but we've also learned that you know mainly the bigger ones are currently looking into you know that collaboration platform and they will most likely drive the adoption as we go forward another question i had is uh, what's typically involved in a construction project there are different parties involved in a construction project it is the owner mainly he's represented through you know the head of facility management or facility management typically belongs to the CFO area of a particular company and then you know the second part you have is the contractor subcontractor you know tons of suppliers that you know supply materials components equipments and so on and they are typically represented through project executives foremen craftsmen engineers and architects and last but not least you have some you know official authorities or experts that approve inspect and release parts of the assets and the entire facility when it's getting handed over wow that's a lot of people involved another question is how big is this market because i know you know the construction business uh, hits a lot of different areas that is true i mean you know when you when you just consider of uh, you know what what is construction spending in, in the world so construction spending represents today 13% of the global gdp and uh, you know the prognosis or the forecast is that it will grow from 8 trillion us dollars today to 15 trillion us dollars in 2030 that's mainly due to the growing population to the you know different needs that we see with green buildings for example and so on and so forth wow. so we need to meet somehow that demand in the industries Excellent. And so what industries are most prevalent to the construction market? Well, traditionally it's the public sector that are represented with 30% of that spending. Uh, but we're also seeing other industries like, you know, E&R, oil and gas, utilities, manufacturing, travel and transportation is also a very high portion of that of that expenditure. So it's really a cross industry play and you know I would call it as a line of business construction kind of play. Excellent. Uh what about prospects? How do you identify who the best companies are to approach with the Project Intelligent Network? Well it's a it's a cloud platform solution. First of all there's no prerequisite for anybody using the networks in terms of you have to have these solutions installed from SAP and with that release exactly however uh you can look at organizations that deal with things like a common data environment like open bim which is building information management its methodology in order to improve things that are happening on a construction site and basically 
companies that have a major investment into assets, either building new ones or modernizing existing ones. For us, it is, of course, an asset or an advantage if they already manage assets with SAP solutions like uh, a real estate flex or our enterprise asset management portfolio, and also if they have a clear SAP strategy. If not, well, then, you know, it would be an additional opportunity for us to position these solutions, solutions to manage assets, or, uh, you know, as we, with, uh, with the Project Intelligence Network, are focusing on the building phase, solutions like project controls or enterprise project and portfolio management. Great. What about competitors? Do we have strong competition in this area? Well, you typically compete with vendors that are offering engineering and design collaboration solutions, such as Trimble, Autodesk, Bentley, or Dassault, for example. They're all coming from an engineering design world, and they focus more on the information that is processed in that particular phase of an asset lifecycle. Then you would have the document collaboration tools out there where, you know, people are using Microsoft SharePoint or Aconex, uh, which is a solution of Oracle. I, I think it's, you know, very, very different from what angle you're actually looking into it. Okay. And what's our competitive advantage in, with respect to these other companies that are out there? I think our main advantage is that we are really coming with the end user in mind. So meaning that we're coming from the asset requirements and the asset informations. And as most companies, like I said earlier on, are already managing it with the help of SAP solutions, they understand that it is the right approach. So key is really, you know, how do you hand over the information of the so-called as-built model into asset management for Julio? And how do you do that in a digital way and not doing that uh, as it is today uh, as a highly manual process where people are basically replicating truckloads of paper-based folders or information to create the asset structure in SAP. The other thing, of course, is our position in the market or our technology or our capabilities in the market to manage cloud-based products and manage business networks. Great. And then what are the customer benefits specifically around using Project Intelligent Network? You know, when you look into the market, most, most researchers are, have, have pulled those numbers together. 30% of all construction projects go over budget or 20% last longer than expected. And productivity is traditionally very low on a construction site. So we are doing things like we've done that, you know, 50 or 20 years ago. And waste in that context is also a big issue. People are waiting for materials, equipment to arrive on site or jobs that need to be done before they can actually start working. So an average range time, which is the time that people spend on doing things, is 20% of the overall time that they have on a construction site. So, you know, putting all that together, we are obviously aiming for increasing that productivity or improving that productivity on a construction site, you know, making sure that construction projects are processed in budget and in time with the right quality. And this is what we expect people are getting from our network, where we synchronize basically the digital supply chain for an asset 
uh, that makes it a very, very strong vision that I would say nobody else in the market can offer. Excellent. Who are our customers, partners, and do we have any customer references? Yeah, like I said, uh, I mean, we have released the solution as part of the, the, the BMI program uh, in September 2018. And, you know, with that BMI approach, that business uh, model incubation approach at SAP, we have some limitations regarding, you know, where can we sell it. So today we can sell it in Germany and in the U.S., and, uh, but we are planning to, to, uh, to achieve the GA status for Q4 this year to be able to sell it in, you know, without those limitations uh, because we're getting a lot of requests from all different countries and market units. Now, coming back to, uh, to the, the references or the customers that we do have, today we have the German military services or the German army. They have uh, two projects uh, up and live and running on the solution. They are onboarding most of their contractors or their network, basically, and the plan for them is to have up to 400 project partners on the network. Wow, that's a lot. Um, what about the pricing model? Uh, who funds the solution? Is the cost shared among the participants in the construction project? It is. The structure of the pricing is pretty similar to uh, what people may know from the asset intelligence network. So we thought about, you know, different packages. And we have packages for, you know, smaller companies that want to discover the solution. You know, there are some limitations on, on the pricing and, and what it exactly costs. And, you know, if people are want to want to know more about that, then they can reach out directly to me. But in essence, we have, you know, three paying packages, which is the discovery package, the basic package, and the premium package. And premium packages uh, come with a subscription price of 20,000 euro per month. And then, you know, in addition to that, we all seeing that you know, we may have a lot of collaboration partners on the network that don't really want to pay for it. So we have a freemium package for those as well, so they can log on into the network, share information, and can make that a really streamlined and, and forward-looking network collaboration for the construction project. Excellent. Sounds like we've got something for everybody who wants to get involved. Lastly, what type of demos are available, and where can we learn more? Well, we've created a gem page, uh, obviously, where we store all of our information that we have released. So you will find, you know, customer presentations. You you have your, you know, level one presentations or process presentations on there. We did a bunch of videos to do some, some offline teasers and to share it with uh, your prospects or clients. And you will also find some you know, some, some application for demo users and uh, the link to the demo systems that we provide in that context. Thank you, Matthias, for being on today's program and for the excellent insight into the Project Intelligence Network. Yeah, it's been really a pleasure talking to you, Mike, and, you know, I'm looking forward for all the questions that will be coming toward our end. Happy to have you on the call, Matthias. Just to summarize, the Project Intelligence Network is a network for the construction industry. It lets everyone share and exchange information during the design, plan, and build phase of a construction project, which could be a facility or even an asset. Every year, $8 trillion is spent on construction projects. It's a huge opportunity, 
and we have a great SAP solution, including multiple reference customers. A link to the Jam site is posted on the RDE Jam homepage. Please reach out to Matthias for any additional help you need. Until next time, this is Mike Fessick signing off. Welcome to the cast. My two guests today are Chris McLucky and Tom Kurtz. Chris is the solution manager for predictive maintenance and service. He has an extensive background with the U.S. Air Force and Navy as a flight engineer and also in the areas of aircraft logistics and maintenance. Tom is the solution manager for predictive engineering insights. He has a deep technical expertise in consulting SAP HANA, analytics, and SAP IoT applications. Today, we'll be talking about asset health. We'll describe what it is and why it's so important to nearly every company in the world. They'll also position our two SAP solutions, predictive maintenance and service and predictive engineering insights. So with that, Chris, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, thanks very much, Mike. Okay, let's get started. I've heard a lot about predictive capabilities and asset health recently. Why is this so important to companies? Here's how I think about this. I, first of all, I like the term asset health. I think the correlation with health is how they, the assets are feeling, if you will. How are they doing and trying to monitor the life cycle of it. So it's really getting into you have an asset, that asset is producing products, and you can track how those products are doing, you can track how those assets are doing. And a lot of companies are finding that in order to manage their maintenance cycles effectively, they want to go beyond just what they call maintenance execution. They want to go beyond just the processes and the systems to maintain the maintenance. They want to be able to manage the entire life cycle of an asset. Chris, I'm sure you have others as well. You've been doing this probably longer than I have. I think overall there there is this desire, and this is across all industries, to reduce reactive maintenance events to a minimum or unplanned events. Why? Because there is a recognition that reactive or unplanned maintenance will cost organizations upwards of seven to ten times more than if they were actually planned events. So there is a, a concerted effort, especially recently, to improve the effectiveness and the efficiency of our maintenance programs to minimize these unplanned failures. And the first step to this is, is minimizing, first of all, our dependency on preventative maintenance strategies, these that are purely based on calendar dates or, or utilization rates. And most, most everyone agrees that traditional preventative maintenance activities are more often than not will result in you over-maintaining your assets and unnecessarily high cost. And with really very little return. And the fact is that most most failures are, are random. So really preventative maintenance, I think most people agree, these tasks do very little to improve asset availability. But what's changed recently is really how we can monitor this equipment. We're now able to move to more precise methods to gauge the health of assets because of device connectivity and cloud computing, uh, machine learning, advanced analytics to pick up on that first indication much quicker and in, much, in a much more accurate way. So that's why I would say there's so much emphasis on this right now. So companies want to proactively manage the entire life cycle of their assets, and they want to reduce or eliminate unplanned maintenance because it's as much as 10 times more expensive 
than plan maintenance. To help companies, SAP has not one, but two approaches that use predictive techniques. One is based on machine learning, and the other is based on engineering simulation. Can you explain the difference? Sure. The, I think there's a parallel between the two approaches. And, of course, PDMS takes what amounts to be a, a machine learning-driven approach to predictive maintenance, whereas, and Tom will talk about with predictive engineering insights, how we, we do the same thing. With PDMS, like PDMS, we feed sensor data. We take the sensor data from the operating assets. In the case of PDMS, we feed that sensor data into trained machine learning models, and we're able to generate health indicators, either in the form of anomaly scores or in the form of, of predictions. And so there's there's a parallel to what we do as well with PEI. And, Tom, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So PEI, Predictive Engineering Insights, is a product that we have. So these are the two products that we have in our in this space, in this asset health prediction and optimization capability. So PDMS being one of them that Chris just summarized, and then PEI being the other. And engineering simulation, think about it this way. So the, the concept of engineering simulation has been around for decades. It is primarily in the R&D engineering side of the design to operate process. And companies use simulations today to accelerate the testing cycles of their R&D process. So think the example I've always used is think of a, a train locomotive. So you have a company who's, who produces these and they, as part of releasing that formal design into the manufacturing process, they need to be able to test this in a physical environment. And so that's a that's a complicated process. You need wind tunnels and you need the, actually to produce the, the test cycles and so forth. The ability to do that in a digital format, so actually having the, the engineering simulation and being able to run that and condense that testing process is valuable. So they use physics-based modeling to do that. They actually know the parameters. They know all the inputs so they can model this out and run it through software to be able to establish that. So think of that. That's the origin of this, if you will. What's happening now is companies are saying, well, we can do that further down in the cycle. When that actual car or when that actual product is installed and operating, and you're actually monitoring it, you can use those same engineering models and merge it with IoT data. So the same way that Chris was talking about, you have operational sense data coming from sensors, you're able to input that in and run it through trained models. In a similar fashion, you can take that operational data and merge and run it with engineered models to be able to not just see the temperature or not, you know, not just understand the temperature of an engine, but actually simulate that engine and see what impact that temperature is actually having because you know the physical parameters of that engine as well. And you can do that across not just structural, there's electromagnetic, there's fluid-based, so we're seeing this in the oil and gas industry, for example. So different scenarios exist. So that's really the difference, and, and I think that's the key, Mike, too. When we're talking about the the, the, the need out there in the organization, the, the, this opportunity that Chris talked about where these costs are coming down and the connectivity is there, we have an opportunity when we're sitting down with customers and talking about asset health. We can talk about it across this whole thing. It's, you know, you, wanna, you want capabilities that allow you to uh, have a 360-degree view of your assets. You want to be able to do some of this advanced analytics like rule-based engines or vibration analysis. You want to be able to do some more advanced 
analysis through things like machine learning models. You may even want to do more advanced analysis through engineering models. And so all of these things are possibilities. And one of the other areas is asset criticality, looking at the strategies, the maintenance strategies I put in place. And I put certain ones in place because of depending on how severe the or, or how critical certain assets are to the runtime. So, you know, that's another example where we, we might put different things in place for different asset criticality. And it, that asset criticality that we talked about may be an input to helping you decide how you want to use these capabilities. But I, I think there's some confusion out there to say, well, when do I do A versus when do I do B? Let's make sure we have the starter story, though. Let's make sure that we can tell the full capabilities that are available and that the company should be considering. And then from there, you can understand the use cases and start to understand the, the correct options. Okay. So let's talk about use cases. When would you use PDMS and when would you use PEI? More often than not, there might be a little bit more heavy lifting to do with PEI. But on the other hand, um, PEI with the physics-based approach and the engineering models can give you a much more precise answer than what I think we can typically do with, uh, with just machine learning. So I think it comes down again, you know, it comes down to a business case, how much time and effort uh, needs to go into doing this and, and what's the return on it. And of course, and Tom talked about, you know, the criticality, assessing the criticality of your assets to figure out where, you know, what makes sense, um, which approach makes sense. I would say overall that for, for probably your most critical assets, you would utilize the engineering, an engineering driven approach. I think that the machine, machine learning driven approach with PDMS is probably applicable to a wider variety of, of assets, asset types and classes. But again, there's always going to be exceptions to these rules. So Yeah. And a couple of things I'd add to that, Mike. Uh, one is there some use cases, so I agree with what Chris just said, but I would add to it that some use cases you struggle to have the universal level of physical sensors that you want. So the statistical side assumes you have certain inputs. And in some cases, you might be able to get some of those inputs, but you can't get the, the, the remainders, for example, because of temperature. Maybe you have hot fluids running and you can't necessarily, that's not a place that you can put a physical sensor or the equipment doesn't have the embedded sensors. And so in those kind of scenarios, it, it might not be the same criticality question, but it might be this is the best model we can do, and this gives us the level. So to Chris's point, it usually comes down to the use case. It comes down to the business case and so forth. The other thing I just wanted to throw out since I hadn't had a chance to mention it yet, uh, so PEI, the product we've been talking about, we partner with a company called ANSYS, A-N-S-Y-S. Uh, ANSYS is a, a partner that SAP's been working with for a couple of years now, and they provide, they're, really there's a couple of reasons I want to bring them up. They actually provide a technology that does a lot of this engineering simulation that I've been talking about so far. So specifically, uh, we talk about engineering simulation. SAP has the asset management, and we want to be able to, in addition to the machine learning and condition-based monitoring we've already talked about, do this simulation. ANSYS has been making software that does this for decades. So really, they're able to provide that software that works with SAP software, and it provides a seamless solution for our customer base. So that's one thing to touch on with regard to the relationship uh, the relationship there. The other thing is, and, and this is really an advantage that we're seeing the more customers we talk to in this market, 
there are actually a lot of joint customers between SAP and ANSYS. And what's happening is that we as SAP are working in the operations world. We're working with customers who are doing plant maintenance. They are looking at doing more in the asset management space. They're potentially looking at this asset health prediction and optimization that we've been talking about, and they want to be able to leverage engineering simulation. Well, it turns out they may also be working with ANSYS earlier in the supply chain in the R&D, in the engineering function. And so in those cases, those models may already exist or other models similar that to that may exist and be able to be fed into the twin builder tool that we use from ANSYS. So uh, just wanted to, to, to make sure that the, the audience understood that that's an advantage that, that PEI has is uh, we are able to have this technology and we're able to work with a great partner like ANSYS. Thanks, Tom. It sounds like we have two great solutions to deliver predictive analysis. The machine learning approach of PDMS can be applied to anything, provided you have the historical data to build a statistical model. For high-value critical assets, you might use the engineering simulation approach of PEI, especially if you already have a finite element model that was created as part of the design phase. The final question is, what's in the future for these two solutions? Yeah, I, I think from my point of view, Mike, uh, we're, we're on a good path with both products, PEI and PDMS. Um, I think both techniques to generating these health scores and monitoring this, this equipment are both, both very important. They both have their place. I think what the future holds for both products is, is probably increased or improvements in scalability, coming up with ways to implement and run these solutions that really minimizes the care and feeding that it takes for the cust for customers to continue to operate them. Trying to make uh, these solutions as easy as possible to implement and also to maintain over the long run. As an example, just basic onboarding of assets. Um, many of our customers, especially in the utilities industry, you could talk about millions and millions of pieces of equipment that they would perhaps want to model within the system. Well, you need a streamlined approach uh, to onboarding those assets to make sure that that device connectivity stays intact, to be able to respond when there are problems. But again, this all goes back to really making these solutions much more intuitive, much more scalable so that they work in the real world with real world problems that are challenges that our customer sees. Excellent. Well, this has been a great session. Really appreciate all the knowledge and insight both of you have given us today. And uh, I look forward to having you back on another call. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you very much, Mike. We appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, to speak on the topic. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. There you have it. PDMS uses machine learning and PEI uses engineering simulation. There are specific use cases for when to apply each solution. The bottom line is, Using these solutions to predict and manage asset health will generate tremendous cost savings for your customer. Until next time, this is Mike Fessick, signing off.